0: Hi, this is
1: Carrie Brownstein. This is DJ Premier. This is Darren Aronofsky. You got the Rizzo right here. Rose
2: McGowan. Right here.
1: Hedge. Aisha Tyler. Tron Quest. Fred Armisen. Prince Paul. Javier Munoz, Seth Meyers. Frankie Cosmos. Flying Lotus. Hi,
2: we're Haim, and you're listening to the TalkHouse Podcast. What's
1: up? I'm Elia Einhorn. Welcome back to the TalkHouse Podcast. My guest today is... Keenan Cush, Talkhouse Operations Manager, and we have a very, very cool show for you today. Recorded live at Travelers Rest Festival, Lucy Dacus of Boy Genius and Dave Depper of Death Cab for Cutie. Keenan, you are on the ground out in Missoula, Montana at Traveler's Rest Festival. Tell our listeners about the scene there, man.
3: So this conversation was recorded backstage at Traveler's Rest, and uh, this is a festival out in Missoula, Montana. Listeners, picture a wide open blue sky surrounded by the most beautiful mountains you've ever seen. This is the setting out there.
1: Man, I'm in.
3: Traveler's Rest is curated by the legendary indie rockers, the Decemberists, who both Lucy Dacus and Dave Depper
1: have actually opened for. It's so cool when artists curate their own festival. It's it's a pretty rare thing. We've we've got Justin Vernon, you know, a.k.a. Bon Iver, who does, is it Eau Claire? I believe so. And we've got Hundred Waters who do the fantastic and very small Form Festival in Arcosanti. Each of these artist festivals is an antidote towards the rise of this sort of monolithic, absolutely bland, over-corporatized mega-festival that's come to dominate every summer in America. Preach, Elliot, Preach. (laughs) Now, it must be said that Lucy Dacus is absolutely slaying as one-third of Boy Genius, and with the new Death Cab for Cutie album out as well, we had to pair these two at the festival. Boy Genius's self-titled EP recently received Best New Music on Pitchfork. There is a lot of hype and excitement about this group. It's being called a supergroup. The three members are Lucy Dacus, of course, along with Phoebe Bridgers and Julian Baker. Now, all three of these artists also perform solo. They're all fantastic singer-songwriters, and Lucy Dacus has not only released Boy Genius Music this year, but also her own record. Historian, her sophomore joint, just dropped in March of this year.
3: Now, Dave Depper, you may not recognize his name, but you definitely know his music. He's been a sideman with Ray Lemontaine, Corin Tucker, Robin Hitchcock, and most recently, Death Cab for Cutie, where he actually made the transition from sideman to officially being in the band in 2016.
1: Right. He has played with some amazing artists. And Dave, of course, releases his own records under his name. The most recent was Emotional Freedom Technique. That came out in summer 2017.
3: And just recently, we had the new Death Cab for Cutie record. Thank you for today, released just a few months ago.
1: And Ben Gibbard joined us on the podcast when it dropped. Of course, Keenan, when you came back from the fest and, and sent me the audio from this session, I had so much fun listening to Lucy and Dave. They talk about a wide range of topics, but mostly things that have to do with being a hard-working, on-the-road musician.
3: Yeah, both of them each share their unique perspectives as touring musicians.
1: We hear about Dave going from literally quitting the music industry to suddenly playing on Letterman.
3: And the anxiety of performing and how beta blockers can
1: help with that? These two are very into beta blockers. Oh,
3: yeah. (laughs) We hear about the Sidemen's Guild of the United States. Oh, the Sidemen's Guild, yes. And Lucy actually gives Dave a live tarot reading.
1: This is only our second tarot reading on the podcast, Keenan, following Alejandro Jodorowsky reading Darren Aronofsky's tarot. So they're in legendary company on this one. Of course. They also cover night terrors on the tour bus, purposely tuning out the music industry, and so much more. Should we roll the tape? Let's do it.
2: How have you been?
1: Oh,
0: I've been good. Thanks. I've forgotten (laughs) that we're not actually getting asked any questions.
2: Yeah, we just have to talk.
0: I feel like I should point out that this is an auspicious day because I think we met exactly one year ago today.
2: Yeah, on the 4th at Pickathon.
0: At Pickathon. Was it the 4th?
2: I think it was the 4th.
0: Okay. Today's the 4th?
2: Yes. Okay.
0: (laughs) Well, happy anniversary of knowing (laughs) each other.
2: That's great. (laughs) I'm glad this is on tape. Me too. Yeah.
0: Your album came out in May? March. March. But... Very close. Okay. Um, it's one of my favorite records of the year. I'm oh, not just saying that.
2: That's um, nice.
0: I've listened to it a lot. I've put Night Shift on a lot of playlists for people. Sick. I would say mixtapes, but that would be lying.
2: Sad people. Sad people. <laughs> Break up people.
0: <laughs> um, yes. Well, how's, how's it gone since then? Have you been on the road kind of nonstop?
2: Yeah. We're, we're about a month in right now. But as I've been remarking, like it doesn't really feel that bad. I have such a great band who I love. And so we all like to do fun things. Like I was telling you, we went and saw Devil's Tower. We went to Waldrug. We wanted to go to Deadwood, but we didn't do that. Mm.
0: How out of the way was Devil's Tower for you, for your drive?
2: It was only like, I think it added almost an hour to the drive. So it's kind of a commitment, but honestly, it's like, that's the type of thing that you remember from a tour.
1: Absolutely. Like shows
2: are pretty monotonous. Like you go to different cities, but you often like eat at a restaurant that's pretty similar to the last restaurant. Mm-hmm. And you're at a venue that has kind of the same accommodations as the last venue. Yeah. And you know it. Oh, yeah. You've toured a lot. <laughs> How long have you been touring?
0: Like in my life? In your life. I think I started in 2005. So 13 Dang. years. Yes. So
2: you're touring musician life as a teenager.
0: Uh, yeah, it's almost old enough to drive. I guess it can see PG 13 movies. It's angsty. It's angsty. It's rebelling. Its Body is going through changes. Uh, it's starting to wonder about (laughs) girls or boys, you know, I don't, we're not sure yet, but we're going to find out. Uh But I, I miss that so much about van touring. Um, I, bus touring is amazing in a lot of ways, but you know, you just wake up in a parking lot or behind a club every day and there's no going to see Devil's Tower or anything like that. And mm-hmm. some of my best memories ever are, are doing that. So I'm, I'm glad you're getting to do that.
2: Yeah, me too. And the squad I'm with, it, well, Ricardo Lagmasino plays drums with us. Mm-hmm. Dominic Angelello plays bass and Jacob Lizard plays guitar. I feel like I don't say their names enough. So I'm trying to make a more concerted effort to tell people who they are.
0: Good. The Sidemen's Guild of the u.s appreciates that sure
2: (laughs) are you in that guild
0: i used to be i i i'm a scab now because i actually joined the band but Mm -hmm. i you know up until four years ago was always the person that had to get mentioned after the fact on the podcast
2: (laughs) right yeah (laughs) so this is before the fact
0: this is before we haven't even said the fact yet yeah how many songs into the set are you going to introduce them
2: Oh, I never know. Usually it's after Jacob's done a particularly shreddy part. Or if somebody messes up, I like to just acknowledge it so that. Which is sometimes appreciated and sometimes not but i feel like if you ever really mess up on stage you have to be like yes that happened so that everyone can get over it so that people aren't wondering for the rest of the absolutely
0: take it in stride
2: so sometimes like it doesn't happen that often because they're so good but like if dom messes up or something i'll be like dominic angelella everybody (laughs) and it's uh taken with humor and grace and he's also just a a good sport so (laughs)
0: Your band is cool. They are cool. Did
2: they record on the record? No. Jacob played almost everything on the record, Mm -hmm. actually. But yeah, Ricardo and Dom are here. This is Dom's first tour with us, actually. Okay. We kind of have like a rotating group. But um, yeah, Jacob played almost all the guitars. He played bass. He played Wurlitzer. He arranged the strings and the horns. He did all the synths. He did auxiliary percussion. Whoa. He sang at one point okay if you like my music you really just like jacob okay so he
0: sounds like a good value for money in the studio oh yeah yeah did he co-produce it or? yeah
2: me and him and our friend colin pastor produced both this record and the last one
0: okay and yeah. you did it back home in richmond
2: we recorded in nashville actually ah yes yeah.
0: you mentioned that this um, morning <laughs>
2: yeah colin lives there and we love it there mm-hmm. i think about like moving there sometimes Mm -hmm. but then i remember that everyone's hair is nicer than mine and (laughs) like and then extrapolate that observation into what is actually true which is like a lot of people are more like proper or like more professional like i i am not really that attracted to like hard professionalism in music or like just always being aware of like the industry side of things. Like I try not to be aware of
0: that too much. I feel very much the same way. Mm -hmm. I've like almost moved to LA many times, but, um, I feel like cities like Nashville or LA or New York that are industry cities, you kind of, everyone is already moving at a certain speed that you need to like hit, like at least being prepared to ramp up to that speed. And if you're not moving at that speed, you're just going to be bewildered, I think. That's yeah. always been my fear of of moving to a place like For that. For sure.
2: Especially New York. I feel like in LA, you're at about half speed of New York.
0: This is true. <laughs> so in Portland, you're about a quarter speed of New York because you're half the speed of LA. Yeah. That's probably, Richmond feels similar. Richmond's
2: too. probably a 16th speed of Portland. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. Because there's no, there's really no industry there's like maybe a couple of people who are actually there's some sick local labels but there's not really any like booking agencies there's not so much management there's like a little bit of management Mm -hmm. but yeah it's kind of nice though because when we're off tour we're really off like i i know people that go home from tour to new york or la and they're just still surrounded by the same sights and sounds and
0: totally i can't imagine getting off the road after a year and going to my fifth floor walk up in new york city and dealing with that i would go totally insane
2: some people get a lot of energy from it i guess just being surrounded by other creatives i guess surrounded whether you like it or not like if you're the type of person who just wants to be immersed always like i guess i kind of get it but not for me
0: yeah the extroverts of the world you are doing this. You have a few days off, and then you're going to Europe. What's the trajectory?
2: Yeah, we're playing Outside Lands, and okay. then we're doing two dates with Father John Misty in Boise, my favorite city. Oh, it is? And then I We love- played
0: there last night. You did? Did we you did. like
2: it? How was it?
0: Uh, it was great. I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, no, this is good. Uh, it was extraordinarily hot it was I think um, 95 while we were playing and the stage we played at was outside and we faced the sun as it went down oh, it no, was that's... it felt like being on the surface of Mercury I think
2: I think that's what's gonna happen to us today
0: yes yeah uh, but it'll be all right I think it's a little cooler than it was in Boise but you're playing with Father John Misty in Boise uh, mm-hmm. where are you playing there
2: the knitting factory oh cool yeah.
0: They were doing all the, they, they presented the show last night. It was at this like baseball field. Thing, oh, but cool. They, were, they put it on. Dang. They know how to do it.
2: Man, such a huge show. Was there a hard switch for you going from playing like club shows or like, did you just jump into playing massive shows?
0: Yes. And yeah.
2: <laughs> how are you?
0: <laughs> I'm good. I had like a, there was an interim period for me where I before I joined Death Cab I played with Ray LaMontagne for a year. Wow. And I had never done anything on that scale beforehand. My my career had been like a fairly even incline up to that point. I I'd topped out at playing kind of like 1000 to 2000 seat places with the bands I was in and then I kind of went home and nothing much happened and I went back to my old day job and I was yeah. kind of like yeah you know I, I went for the music thing and I never quite got to the level I wanted, but I had a lot of fun. And, you know, let's just find out what being a normal dude in Portland is like. And then really out of the blue, I got uh, offered this gig with Ray. And I was our first gig that I did the day after I met him was playing on David Letterman and getting in a bus and playing in front of, you know, eight to 15,000 people. And it was definitely a learning curve. It's like
2: making my throat close up a little bit.
0: It made my throat close up. I had I experienced these sort of panic attack anxiety fits that I didn't know existed within me before mm-hmm. and just kind of had to learn how to cope with that. I discovered beta blockers which Me too. I was oh, about to
2: say. Really? Yeah, I For- love that you just brought up beta blockers. <laughs> I'm always talking about I'm pushing beta blockers all me the time. Me too. Cause yeah, the same thing happened to me where I, I, am not super keen on attention. So like having hundreds of people look at me at once every night is like, it does, it's not crippling. I'm really thankful for it, but I would have these like panic attacks that were purely like physical, like mentally I'd be like, this is so dumb. Mm -hmm. Why is this happening? Why is my
0: hand shaking? Why can't I like my throat's. Constricting. Yeah. Why is Espe- this happening?
2: yeah. And for, did you ever sing? Did you ever do backup or anything? I did
0: backing vocals and, and yeah, it affects that more than anything. It's tough. Yes. Yeah. It's so bad.
2: So yeah. Beta blockers is just like the, the nervous drug. It, it's it like is, as it's, needed, not addictive.
0: No tolerance gets built up. I yes. know it's like, I don't know what the catch is, but I, I don't care. There isn't one really.
2: Yeah. Apparently it's like, it was popular and then doctors stopped like suggesting it for some reason maybe there's just like trends in the like big pharma community that i'm not aware of but <laughs> beta blockers is telling you
0: well maybe big pharma is more interested in a anxiety cure that is addictive and yeah you know I, i'm not sure they yeah. may have other incentives to push it's that kind of
2: dark but,
0: but man it they so changed my life Yeah. Yes. So there was a learning curve. And then the death cab thing came up pretty soon into that. And I was just kind of like, wow, I've been plunged into this world that I just didn't expect was coming in any way. Two months ago, I was just writing software code in my bedroom. And yeah, yeah, you know, yes. So I'm pretty used to it now. But I still have days where I get waves of anxiety and I need to take a beta blocker or playing on tv always psychs me out and, and that kind
2: yeah because that audience is like not very tangible it's like hard to wrap your head around that one
0: it really is yeah. they're they're literally intangible because you can't see them and then the people in front of you aren't really your fans they're probably like people that scored free tickets to see Colbert or whatever right and yeah it's a different gig
2: Crazy. So what I know about you is that you're about to tour for two years on the new Death Cab album. Something like that, yeah. So crazy.
0: It is crazy, and yes.
2: And they're actually going to Brazil, not just
0: we're coming joke, to Brazil. come to Brazil.
2: <laughs> they're really going to go.
0: Yeah, you taught me today that that's a real thing. On, on Instagram, like for all of our posts for the last couple of years, people write, come to Brazil and... <laughs> I like even sometimes troll Ben Gibbard like he'll write something totally unrelated to that and then I'll write come to Brazil on his Instagram post or whatever. But we actually are going to South America and we actually are going to Brazil. So Mm -hmm. I've never been there. None of us have and we're all pretty excited about it.
2: Does anyone speak Spanish or Portuguese?
0: I definitely no one speaks Portuguese. We actually played in Portugal a few years ago. And um, have you been there?
2: We're going to play there in like a week or two. Okay, That's cool. our first uh, European gig. Is it is it the Paradis Decora Festival or did you play a festival?
0: We did Primavera, right. which started in Barcelona and they have a Porto venue now. And we played that. But I was struck by the fact that Portuguese looks like Spanish on the page. But when you hear it spoken out loud, it sounds like Slavic or something.
2: I love it so much. It's
0: beautiful. Yeah. I want
2: to learn Portuguese and Dutch. I want to learn and Croatian.
0: Oh yeah. I uh, want to learn. I have no idea what Croatian even sounds it's kinda like. It's kind of
2: like Italian plus Russian like Polish, maybe a little bit Germanic. Okay. This is me being dumb actually. This is me <laughs> not really knowing what it is or where it comes from, but it's it's very cool looking.
0: Yeah, I I've seen it written and we played in Zagreb a couple of years ago, but I just yeah, it went over my head. It's like
2: the most beautiful place. Portugal and Croatia I think are like definitely top three
0: yeah they're they're both amazing i uh, that's funny you mentioned dutch i've sort of been obsessed with the idea of learning dutch as well except it seems very useless because a everyone in the netherlands speaks perfect english and no other countries speak dutch anymore as far as right. i can tell i guess south africa sort of with afrikaans but mm-hmm. um it would be a lot of work for
2: yeah I don't
0: know, <laughs> talking with people that would rather talk to you in english
2: just occurred to me that people are probably tuning in trying to hear about the new Death Cab album and we're just like talking about <laughs> different languages.
0: So what did you eat at Catering today?
2: <laughs> oh, I had a good pasta and some cheese and, you know, what about you? <laughs>
0: um, I, uh, well, it was funnily laid out. There was, the dessert was first. Oh, I I love don't know that. if you noticed that. Yeah. And so I was eating a chocolate chip cookie as I was putting my salad Likewise. together. Likewise. Yeah. Yeah.
2: The lady there said that uh, your body processes sugar better than other things, or it processes sugar first. So I think she was making it up. That's another thing I'm going to have to Google once we're done talking. (laughs) But, oh well. I see. Yeah. Well, would you like a tarot reading? Yeah, I would. I've been getting into tarot and trying to do them more often. I'm a total novice, but... Here, I'm going to put the mic, like, in my arm. Okay. And then I'm going to shuffle. I could
0: hold it up to you while you set this up. We Um, are going to need to narrate this as there's not a visual component.
2: Yeah, so um, tarot... I was going to say this on our walkover, and then I remembered maybe I should just say it now while the mic is on. But I was raised Christian, and tarot was like something kind of evil because there's like pentacles on them and things. And Mm -hmm. so it's like I'm never going to touch that. And then in December, my friend came over with a tarot deck, and I was like, maybe I should see if this is actually evil. And it's not. It's just paper and symbols, and it's just like anything else. You just read into it what you will. It's kind of like how a dream doesn't mean anything until you wake up. Mm -hmm. So like I am not very superstitious okay. about this. But what's cool is that you can like bring a question to it or like just ask for guidance and it kind of just shows you what you already know or what you already think mm-hmm. in a cool way. Interesting. So again, you don't have to do this because it would be yeah, you don't have to do it if you don't want to, No, but it is really fun.
0: I'm, I'm, do So do I need to approach this with a question? Well, yeah,
2: if you have one, then you can do that. If you want a really general reading, we could do like past, present, future. We could do like mind, body, spirit, mm. which is uh, kind of like what you think that you're like, what other people think that you're like, and then how you truly are. Ooh, um, that
0: one sounds fun. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, it's, cool. It's the most uh, social media sounding.
2: Okay, <laughs> like you could just take a BuzzFeed quiz and like put it on your <laughs> What Jedi or. am
0: I? Yeah. Um, for, for the record, Lucy just fanned out the cards. She shuffled them and now they're, they're uh, yeah. fanned out on the table in front of us. Mm-hmm.
2: So um, what my friend Colby uh, taught me to do, she's the one that showed me tarot in the first place, is that you lay your hand on it and you have to touch all the cards before you pick them. So you're going to pick three and it'll be mind, body, and then spirit. Okay. So one, two, three. Body. Body. Nice, spirit. <laughs> oh. oh, this is really <laughs> oh, no. good. It is? No, they're, they are. They're sweet. Okay. Okay so, okay, so the first one is not that good. It's the nine of swords, so it's like about nightmares and anxieties. We already talked about beta blockers, though, so it's not like anything new. I have
0: <laughs> awful nightmares all the time. Oh, no. And a lot of anxiety. So oh, my
2: God. This, well, me uh, too, actually. This is kind of eerie. I have like... Crazy night. Do your night? We don't have to talk about your no, nightmares. No, we'll, let's but get into it. Do you do you have like nightmares that are about your life, or are they like narrative? Like,
0: I guess they they seem to have very little bearing on my life. Like, I don't have anxiety dreams about performances or anything. They tend to be very specific kind of horrifying situations, like like being literally chased and then torn apart by a bear. Yeah. Or. <laughs> there's a person with their back to me in a chair and I know something's terrible about them and I don't know and they turn around really fast and their face is rotting off yeah something like that.
2: Yeah, I I resonate with that. I I used to have dreams about like clowns chasing me as a kid. Yes, A recurring dream I used to have a lot was drowning in ink. What? Isn't that crazy? I used to have an irrational fear of ink as a kid and it comes back every now and then but even though it's terrifying, I kind of wake up and I'm kind of like, aww. That's like a little bit of my past self coming to terrify me. Wow, (laughs) yeah, that's lovely. (laughs) Like, I'm so nostalgic that even that will like strike a chord. (laughs) So yeah, so maybe you're just aware of this part and you think that you know about that part of your mind more than somebody else does. Mm -hmm. So your um, body is the lovers, which is so nice. Okay, This is a major arcana um and so is your next one but major arcana are like the heavy weighted cards of the deck Mm -hmm. so even though the swords one is here the next two are the ones that are a little more true Mm -hmm. um so body like the way people perceive you is that you're like open to the world like you're really engaged i mean you can probably think of a lot when you think of like the lovers just like it's not just specifically romantic though that's involved too it's just somebody who can really connect and have almost like a just a really meaningful connection to Mm -hmm. other people. So that's how people perceive you, which is so nice.
0: That's great. I hope that's true.
2: Yeah. And then the fool, which sounds like a bad card, is your (laughs) spirit, which is awesome. It's like the zero card of Mm -hmm. the deck. It's the first one. And there's this fool who's like accidentally about to walk off a cliff. Yes. (laughs) But... That, oh, yes, on the card. Yeah, yes, he is. you should you'll turn them so okay. you can see them.
0: He's got a little dog with him. Yeah, yeah. So
2: that's just about like innocence and being open to the world and like basically the wanderer or like you get into various things without really knowing what it's going to be. And so some people might think that that's really foolish, mm-hmm. but it also indicates that you're going to have more experiences not necessarily good or bad but you're just going to get a fuller picture of what life is from your willingness to go and find it that
0: feels very accurate yeah i would say actually out of everyone in the band going to a a very foreign place we were on a kind of a, a spectrum of at one end, not leaving the hotel and just eating a burger at room service and I'm the kind of, I'm going to find a, a mountain even if it's yes. dangerous and I'm going to climb it kind yeah, of Yeah, and so. that's
2: literally what that guy's doing. Okay. So All I right. think that's the a really fool. good reading. I'm glad to be the Especially yeah, Especially if, if it starts off kind of bad and gets better, that's always a fulfilling read, I think. Because mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, sure, you have something dark about your life. Everyone does. But luckily- the innate part of you is like kind of accidentally moving towards like brightness and it's very sweet Great. i love tarot well,
0: i love it too i feel very good about that first tarot reading oh
2: yay we, we opened for courtney barnett recently mm-hmm. and i did her tarot reading in katie her
0: katie harkin Yes. One of my favorite people in the world. She's
2: so great. She's the best. Yeah. I like want her to be in my band.
0: <laughs> Me too. Which,
2: <laughs> yeah. How do that's you know funny.
0: her? Uh, so um, I had made that joke about the Sidemen's Guild. And that's actually I have a joke about with her because we, uh, I think I was playing with Ray and she was playing with Slater Kinney. and Sick. Yeah. I was just kind of a fanboy about her. She was just so cool. And I always had sympathy for Slash respected the person that like joins a band but has to be off to the side and like they're not in the promo photo that gets put on the commercial break yeah. and that kind of thing but yet she's back there just killing it playing all these different instruments and singing and stuff so i just kind of wrote her out of the blue and was like i love what you do we should be friends and we kind of have been since then we've hung out all over the world in different spots um, i
2: love that you did that <laughs> i need to do that more often because whenever you get an email like that it's so meaningful you know, like, yeah,
0: I, I mean, I was worried that she thought I was hitting on her or something, but I seriously just wanted to be like, we're, we do the same thing. Let's have a community. You know? uh,
2: yeah. I, I feel the same way, too. Is like, being intentional about having a community is good because it's really easy again on the road to like your community to be as big as your band only because mm-hmm. it's hard to like you know meet people and stay in touch because you're never like in the same place so i i try to do that too like get people's numbers and postcards and things like that
0: yeah that's awesome yeah she she is the best so you read her tarot as oh, well Oh
2: yeah yeah so read um yeah hers and courtney's and yeah, it was just a lot of fun. We like laid out a blanket in the parking lot and I was a little bit witchy about it. <laughs> I'm not a witch. I will not say that, but I do love tarot. And I always feel like it, it you know, helps me to come to know whoever I'm talking to because it's like maybe you wouldn't talk about something that is really of depth naturally. Mm-hmm. But if the cards are telling you to talk about it, then it can come up in a natural way, which is, yeah, like we probably wouldn't have talked about your nightmares.
0: We probably wouldn't have, no. <laughs> One of my most embarrassing moments of my entire life was, um, well, t- for starters, I like my nightmares can be so bad that I warn like if I'm dating a new partner or something that there's going to be probably a night or two a week where I'm going to wake up screaming and you're going to have to shake me awake. It's a yeah. like terrible thing. But I was like two weeks into touring with Ray LaMontagne on this bus oh. where you sleep like inches from each other. And I had the dream I just mentioned where a bear, it was like an... Accurate dream. I had no way of knowing it was a dream. I was in a forest, and a bear like started chasing me, and then started tearing me apart. And I screamed the way you would scream if a bear was tearing you oh apart in this teeny little coffin area with like eight people sleeping around me in, at four in the morning. And everyone thought the bus was crashing, and it was it, it was not a good. Everyone start. woke up. Oh yeah.
2: <laughs> oh my god. Like
0: blood curdling screams. Whoa. It was it was awful.
2: Well, I mean, I guess once that happens. It's like you've shared that experience at least. Yeah, I'm trying to find a silver lining to that. I was, uh, you know,
0: yeah. You, uh, it's. I hope maybe it endeared me to people. I don't know.
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I, I always have these really these dreams that feel like they take place over a couple years. Mm -hmm. Does that ever happen? Where it's like not just a moment, but it's like oh, three years passed in this dream.
0: No, I wish mine went that Mm -hmm. deep, but this this is something that happens to you.
2: I had a, a nightmare once, I'll like paraphrase, but I like went to this cabin and there were these girls there and me and my friends who went to the cabin like basically adopted them. Mm-hmm. And I was like their mother for like two or three years. And I remember because I would walk around the forest with them and be like, this is a leaf. And it grows <laughs> on this tree and the leaves grow and then they fall in the autumn and then they grow like i was like well, teaching her
0: you were her. Teaching, you were really yeah, doing it <laughs>
2: yeah and we did that twice so that's how i knew that it was 2 years cuz i had memories of going back and her remembering what a leaf was wow and yeah yeah pretty crazy that i still pretty crazy. think about that i think that's why certain books that are like like surrealist books kind of resonate with me mm-hmm. cuz um i just have dreams that feel that way yeah but
0: well, to bring it around to today, <laughs> we've we yeah. like we've really gone off on some tangents here, uh-huh. but that's probably what this is for. Mm-hmm. How did you come to know the Decemberists and come to be playing this festival?
2: We opened for them in I think June of 2016, mm-hmm. and we opened for them in Michigan at like a botanical gardens, and it was like such a beautiful
0: Grand Rapids. Yeah. I've played that place.
2: Yeah. The amphitheater.
0: (laughs) Yeah. There's that weird sculpture garden. Yeah. Yeah, It's very,
2: very cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was kind of at the beginning of stuff for us. Like we hadn't really played to crowds like that. And Mm -hmm. we hadn't really done a bunch of support. And when we had, like we hadn't really met the bands that much. And we like stood side stage and Colin was like, Thank you, Lucy Dacus, you know, it's not Dacus again, but like, I don't know. Again, it's like that, what did you say? The sideman's brigade or guild, guild, sideman's guild, where it's like, I don't know, the being the opener and being like recognized and gestured towards by a band that you've always loved was just kind of like a, wow, I can't believe that I'm supposed to be here and I belong here, but I do for some reason. Yeah, And, um, especially Chris of that band has kept in touch a little bit and Mm -hmm saw him at Pickathon where I met you, yep. and what about you?
0: Um, well, funnily enough, my first time playing to big crowds like that was also opening for the Decembrists. Sick. Yeah, very sick. Back in 2008, I was in a band called Loch Lamond in Portland, and we had a couple records. And, I mean, I've, I've known the Decembrists since probably 2003 or four. I think like Castaways and Cutouts era, right when they were, beginning and playing to like 200 people in Portland wow. and I was kind of a super fanboy about it and I joined this band called Norfolk and Western at the time and our drummer Rachel Blumberg was also the drummer for the Decemberists at the time. She's the drummer on uh, uh, Her Majesty and Picaresque and Portland's small and you know I would just see him everywhere. We became friends but then uh, they did a tour I guess after I think it was between Crane Wife and Hazards of Love uh, and they had Loch Lamond. Be the support band for a, a East Coast and West Coast tour, and all of a sudden we went from playing to you know maybe on a good night eighty people to the three thousand people or whatever, and
2: yeah.
0: it was definitely a formative experience. Yeah, and we just learned how to do all the things you have to know how to do on a big stage and and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so I guess th- that's when I really became close with them, and we just sort of been in touch since and it's kind of funny that I ended up joining Death Cab which is a band that already has a big history with them as well. Chris Walla produced several of their records and they toured together and played lots of shows together. I actually saw them in 2004 both opening for the Pixies and Ben. Wow. Yeah. It was right when the Pixies got back together and it seemed like hell had frozen over. Oh my God. December's were first of three then Death Cab playing songs from their recently released Transatlanticism and the Pixies with Kim Deal, like, ah, just reformed. It was my jaw really just amazing. just dropped yeah. just
2: for everyone who can't see us right now. It was very cool. That is so cool. <laughs> I love that they do this. I love that Traveler's Rest exists. It's awesome. It's kind of like goals, you know. Total like goals. I would love to do something like this at some point.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned earlier, like, you can really tell the difference backstage at an artist-run festival um, as opposed yeah. to just a corporate festival, which you know, they're fine, but there's a lot of concerns that people like that don't take into account and an artist does. Since yeah. Cause do the- you know
2: what you needed in the past and couldn't get.
0: Exactly. I think
2: the big difference is that everyone that is working backstage, like when you approach, like knows what's up. And a lot of the festivals we've played, like volunteers have no clue yeah. what they're supposed to do. <laughs> totally. And it's like really frustrating to get from point A to point B and um, here it was just so easy to come up because everyone, it just feels like there's an actual team and people are being caring and yeah, kudos to them.
0: Totally kudos, yes. Maybe Death Cab will do our own thing sometime. <gasps> I don't know. i That's totally, <laughs>
2: that's, that's coming out of my own yeah, head no. right now. Yeah, yeah, but that'd be a dream. Yeah. I think we've had a good talk. I might want to like go get some more juice before playing the show. Yeah,
0: you literally just finished sound checking and you're on at four. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, that's in less than an hour and a half. So yeah. you should you should get ready. These things but take time.
2: This is great. This Thank is you great. for talking. Yeah. And maybe on August 4th of 2019 we'll be in the same place. I sure hope so. <laughs> maybe we'll
0: both be at Pickathon again. Oh, that would I be hope fun. so. I'm pretty hard. I mean, I'm very glad to be at this festival, but yeah. I'm, I go to Pickathon every year usually and I'm pretty sad to not yeah. be there right now.
2: I think that might be one of my it is one of my favorite festivals. Maybe my favorite.
0: It's my favorite. Yeah. Although I haven't yet played Travel's yeah, Rest yet, we so are, yeah, we're both this here. It hasn't really
2: begun, so yes. jury's out.
0: Okay. Well, have a great set, Lucy.
2: Ditto. Bye, everybody. We can't see.
0: Bye, talk house mm-hmm. people.
1: Bye, Lucy. Bye, Dave. Thanks for joining us from Traveler's Rest. And listeners, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. We have another talk from the festival dropping soon. Lucy and Dave have
3: also both written for the site. Dave has made playlists and has also written about life on the road.
1: And Lucy recently wrote about the newest release by one of my all-time favorite bands, Bell and Sebastian. Also make sure to check out the captain of the good ship Death Cab. Ben Gibbard recently joined us in conversation with Lowe's Alan Sparhawk.
3: Be sure to check out photos of Dave and Lucy at Traveler's Rest on our Instagram page at TalkHouse. You can also like and follow us on Facebook and Twitter.
1: Today's episode is recorded by you, Kenan Cush, our roving festival engineer. Always roving. And produced by Mark Yoshizumi. TalkHouse podcast theme song was written and composed by The Range. Till next week, I'm Ellie Einhorn.
3: I'm Kenan Cush.
1: Peace.
3: Peace.